welcome to History, where I get to share the many stories of the Bible and Jesus. I'm your host, Mitch Davis, and I want to share the good news with you. How did you ever become best friends? Hmm. You know, every single relationship starts with some kind of inherent or intentional trust factor being passed. You're getting past that threshold, if you will. How sweet is it when you take your children to the park and watch them make friends on the playground? I mean, just go to any McDonald's or Chick-fil-A play place and watch children magically getting past whatever name introductions, whatever immediate hellos to becoming best friends for the next 10, 15, 20 minutes. How sweet is that? Even as adults, we sometimes find ourselves rubbing shoulder to shoulder with complete strangers. We do it at all kinds of venues, if you will, where that same magical quality of being complete strangers to formal or informal introductions, whatever the situation is, we automatically become acquaintances, or maybe even newfound friends. It's at some point in that initial encounter where we have allowed intentionally or unintentionally, maybe just naturally, to allow that stranger to come into our lives and somehow pass that threshold where we further open up ourselves to them. We're making this connection. And then so we go from this process of complete strangers to an intimate friendship. That is amazing. So in other words, every close relationship, every best friend type relationship has its beginning. And often enough, it starts with that initial encounter. Such is the case when we encounter Jesus Christ for the first time in our lives. Speaking of encounters, consider a couple of first encounters we can read of in God's Word. So there's a guy, his name is Levi, that's his Hebrew name, and his Greek name was Matthew. Well, there's this place in the Bible called the Gospel of Matthew. And what Matthew is doing, he's recounting these first encounters. And the first one we can read in Matthew's gospel is found in Matthew chapter 4 in verse 18. And this is where we see Jesus coming up to two brothers whose names are Peter and Andrew. And they were casting a net into the sea because, well, they were fishermen. He says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew simply states Jesus' words of follow me. He continues to record, Matthew does, and says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. How crazy is that? You know, Matthew doesn't really give us any background information. How crazy would it be for two complete strangers to Jesus drop everything when he says, follow me? There had to be an initial encounter between Peter and Andrew and Jesus. And so this factor 
of, of them saying, hey, we're going to just drop our entire livelihood and go follow this stranger is crazy. They had to know each other. And so what is important to note is that they made that threshold of trust with Jesus. And that's the reason why they followed him. They trusted Jesus well enough to leave their careers for something that they were convicted about in becoming fishers of men. Well, there's another occasion. See, in Matthew's recount, he then refers to his life experience where he encounters Jesus for the first time. And here we find Jesus going to this tax office to meet Levi, or Matthew, if you will. Now, get this. Matthew is a tax collector. And that may not mean much to you, but in the first century, if you are a Jew and you collect taxes among Jews for the Roman Empire, well, that just makes you a traitor. Think about that. Or worse, many of these tax collectors had a stigma had a reputation, and it was well-deserved in many cases. It was one where they were looked upon as thieves because they would exact, they would take more than what was needed for their taxes. I mean, the tax collectors had to make their money, but many of them made well more than what they needed. They were very rich people. And so these two strikes are against Matthew. So when Jesus comes up to Matthew and meets him in the tax office, he recounts that moment quite succinctly and says, in the words of Jesus, follow me. That's it. And so there's no way, again, like Peter and Andrew, that Matthew would just up and leave the tax office, leave his career to follow a complete stranger. There has to be this threshold that Matthew allows Jesus to pass where he feels enough trust of this person to follow him. And that's exactly what happened. So even though Matthew recounts this event of himself and back to Peter and Andrew, this was the case for all the other apostles that Jesus would meet. And for that matter, many of the individuals that were complete strangers that became followers of him. So what was true of Peter Andrew, Matthew, and, and countless number of other people that Jesus met, they trusted him enough to be a man of character, a man of conviction. In fact, Matthew goes on to recount in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29, in contrasting Jesus to the other religious leaders and says, he taught them as one having authority not as the scribes. So think about that connection that Jesus was making, that trust connection, the trust factor, if you will, and relate that to us today. You see, what I have been witnessing over the last quarter century of sharing God's word is that there are those that, well, they may or may not refuse to trust in Jesus, but oftentimes, they're okay with him, but not with his followers, not with 
the church. You see, over the years, I've talked to individuals who are non-churchgoers, if you will, and some have these experiences that they're not able to connect, if you will, not able to trust or have that trust factor with those that they look at as churchgoers. Some have been looked down upon, if you will, by professing followers of Jesus, or at least that's how they felt. Some have either heard or witnessed infighting among church members and don't want any part of it. Some have heard or witnessed maybe even sinful behavior by those claiming to be followers of Christ. And then some feel, hey, I have no hope to make a change because I only feel judged by those church-going people. Some feel out of place when they come to a church building and to a church service and they don't, they don't feel welcomed. Some simply feel left out. And then there are others that, well, they have a feeling like, I'm just not good enough. They compare their life full of sin to these quote-unquote perfect Christians. That's how they feel. And then some feel like, well, maybe my children are too wild where they're embarrassed about their life so that they don't even come to a church service. So there's a lot of reasons why some people are okay with Jesus, but not with his church. They're not wanting to let that threshold be passed because, well, they don't trust Christians. So I've got some questions to fellow Christians and to those who want to connect to Jesus but are not churchgoers, if you will. To those who are Christians, what are you doing to break down the obstacles that exist that would allow non-churchgoers who want to connect to Jesus? Are you praying for them? Are you thinking about their well-being? Are you considerate of the many things that they may, they may, well, they want to come to Jesus, but they have difficulty trusting you? Think about them. Pray for them. Do you also pray for them from a standpoint of how you can interact with them on a daily basis? How you react to them? See, you have a large role in them being able to connect with Jesus by how you behave and how you think of them. Well, to my non-church-going friends, do you ever suppose that the Lord's church are made up of people just like you, sinners? They struggle with their own weaknesses, their own sins, their own anxieties, and thus they struggle to be that perfect example for you but that they want you in their life, just as Jesus wants you in his life. Have you considered them and how sometimes they have difficulty connecting to you because, well, you have different lives, but they want to. And so this whole trust factor plays a large part in how we connect to or with one another, and with Jesus.
here's where I believe we can make this connection between Jesus and the church and even the non-church-going segment of our society. I really do believe we need to take time, make the effort if, if we really want to know, is Jesus worth our trust? Get to know him. Learn about him. Learn how he treated people, how he taught people, how he came to connect with people. Learn to maybe live more and more like him, to love like him, to think like him. And I believe when we can learn from God's word, those scriptures along these lines, then we might find that we're becoming friends with him. And then to realize that others, more or less, are learning to do the very same thing in their own life. So today is a great opportunity to put your trust in Jesus. Maybe it's just a simple introduction of yourself to him. Maybe you're becoming acquaintances. Maybe it's this is your first genuine effort to get to know him. Maybe today is the day you want to meet people just like you, a sinner, where you are part of a community collectively growing in their effort to learn more and more about how to live and to be like Jesus. If you want to know more about Jesus and his story, please join us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. We get together and we study God's word to learn more about him and about his word. We also meet at 10 a.m. for worship services and 11 a.m. where I get to share God's message with you. And of course, on Wednesday nights, we meet for Bible study at 7 p.m. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions about today's talk, please visit our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com or visit our Facebook page at Franklin Church of Christ TN. Until next time, have a blessed day.